All right, we are in Ephesians chapter 4. The title of the sermon today is Grow Up. Grow Up. That's what the Apostle Paul is, has been talking about in this passage that we've been looking at. And I'll be reading uh, primarily from the New Living Translation. And we will be studying Ephesians 4 verses 14 and 15, but we're going to start by reading from verse 11 so we can see our two verses kind of set in their right context. So Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now, here's our passage for today, verse 14. It says, Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Church family, this is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and thank you for your word. God, we pray that you would bless and anoint and lead in the teaching and preaching of your word, God that your words would replace mine, Holy Spirit, that your ministry to convince us and convict us, God, that that would be something that is alive and happening this morning as your word is taught. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, in many ways, uh, we start off in our Christian walk very much like a child starts off in the world. We grow and mature over time. And it's not a bad thing for a child to be immature. All children start off immature and need to grow into and mature into what it means to be a healthy human. We have a four-year-old right now, and my four-year-old, what he feels like he needs is he feels like he needs to fall asleep not just next to me, but on me at night, right? He feels that's like comfort for him. Uh, He feels it is entirely unjust if he's not fed within 15 minutes of waking up in the morning right? Like he's just, it's just a complete injustice. He requires a 90-minute nap every day. And so our family schedule has to be organized in such a way that Shem gets his nap, right? Otherwise, we're dealing with another kid later on. He thinks it's the funniest thing in the world when his body makes these different noises and he does it toward people, right? It's just, it's just the best thing in the world to him right now. And listen, that's okay, Because in my eyes, he's amazing. I mean, he's just four years old, right? His immaturity is not a bad thing right now because he's growing. He's maturing. And and he is growing and maturing. I I have like an excuse to brag about my four-year-old in front of you. He's like starting to read right now, which is awesome. He rides a bicycle like nobody's business. He drops in on our ramp in our backyard on his big wheel just fearlessly. He says, excuse me sometimes after his body makes some of those noises. He's, he's maturing. He's growing. 
See, the point is immaturity is not a bad thing in children. It's normal and it's natural. And what Paul is highlighting and, and bringing out in our text today is that immaturity in adults or immaturity in people who ought to have grown into maturity is not natural and it's not right. And our passage today presents Paul's barometer. He's putting out a way for us to measure or, or know whether we're mature or not. He just explained in the previous verses the gifts and the leaders that have been given to the church in order to build and to grow into the image of Christ. And today we look, we look at what this looks like. What does it look like to grow up, to mature? What is that culture, that kingdom family culture in which maturity takes place? Because when someone decides to follow Jesus, they don't necessarily have great theology, right? And so Paul starts off by talking about maturity by highlighting immaturity, saying this is the problem with immaturity. And he contrasts spiritual maturity with spiritual immaturity. And so here's the point of, of him leading us in this way. He says it's okay for new Christians to be immature, but it's bad if we stay that way. In fact, I think the Apostle Paul would say it's actually dangerous if we stay that way. Uh, imagine an adult, if you will, a young adult even, demanding to have someone else prepare their food for them all the time. Imagine an adult insisting on having others pay for their comforts and conveniences in life. That would be a mark of immaturity, right? Imagine an adult who only wants to play. In our culture, that would look like someone that just wants to skate or surf or hang out with friends all the time rather than invest in providing for themselves and invest in their future and maybe their future family's future. Just imagine that. It's kind of funny, but it's not hard to imagine that, is it? Because we live in a culture that not only allows for immaturity and entitlement, but it sets it up as a goal for our young adults. We live in a culture that encourages immaturity, in fact. A life of leisure and self-expression and self-focus is considered healthy in our culture. And if we're not careful, this obsession with self-focus might extend into the church as well. And Paul is saying that the goal in the church as we follow Jesus is maturity, that we are a people who grow, that immature new believers will grow as they give themselves to following Jesus. And it's okay for a new believer to be ignorant of the Bible, to be ignorant of the nature of God, but that new believer needs to start to grow. And here's why. Here's our passage again in verse 14. This is why. He says, in the previous verse, he said that we're going to grow to the full maturity of Christ. Verse 14, he says, then once we've grown, we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. And so what Paul is comparing an immature Christian to, he's comparing to, to them to this imagery of a boat being tossed by waves and being blown around by wind as if it's in a storm. And he's saying that a Christian who doesn't mature is like a boat in a storm. The waves toss it around. The wind blows it in whatever direction the wind happens to be blowing. A boat in a storm can lose control of its navigation, and the journey is lost at that point. There's no point in the boat being out in the water if you can't control the direction of the boat. And so the immature Christian, he's saying, is susceptible to the voice of culture, perhaps, saying, just be you, express yourself, do what makes you happy, right? Culture tells us that we are our own God. It's bad theology. 
Political correctness tells us that people determine our own identities, and we can determine our own lifestyles. We can determine what's right and wrong for ourselves. That's bad theology. Liberalism tells us that we, not God's Word, we determine what's best for humanity. That's bad theology. There's false teachers on every end of the spectrum within the church claiming this and claiming that. See, it's not bad for a new Christian to be immature, but it is very dangerous, Paul is saying, to remain immature because there's wind and waves pulling and pushing us. And so Paul is saying growth is the goal, maturity is the plan. And Paul kind of lays this out in in our second verse in 15. He says, rather than being blown around in, in a storm, he says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. And so maturity means we grow in every way to be more like Jesus. As we give ourselves to this new culture, this kingdom culture that God has created here in the, in the family of God. This is where truth is spoken in love. And we grow as a body grows, right? We, we grow together in every way to be more like Jesus. That's, that's what's happening in the church. We insist that Jesus is the head of the church. And so the goal of our new life in Christ is to be with Jesus and to grow and mature to be like Jesus. He is the object, he is our goal, and he is our current and present possession. Christianity really is not a complicated thing. It's not about a complicated list of do's and don'ts. Christianity is not about doing better things. Maturity is simply being with Jesus, being changed by Jesus, to be like Jesus. Jesus is the beginning of our new life. He is the purpose of our new life, and he is the ultimate goal of our life. Now, the Apostle Paul puts it this way. He he makes this confession of of his spiritual life. We see this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, where he declares, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, this declaration of Paul's, it's a tough confession for us to consider for our own lives because it confronts, it confronts my obsession with comfort. It, 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 this path that Paul is talking about, it confronts our leisure time. This commitment to living for Jesus and not for myself, it confronts my goals and my desires. This desire that We want Jesus to live in me and through me. It means that I'm willing to let Jesus decide how to live and where to live out my life. And so if this desire, if this desire to let Christ live in me is not the focus in the center of our life, then eventually it will become very difficult, if not impossible, for us to remain in our culture and be a Christian. It's the two worlds are just too opposed, too opposite. Because being a Christian isn't simply praying a prayer for salvation at one point in our life. It's not simply coming to church you know, when it's convenient or when it works out for me. Being a Christian isn't just self-identifying as a Christian, just saying that's what I believe in, checking that box on the census. That doesn't make you a Christian. Being a Christian isn't even acting or behaving a certain way. Being a Christian means that the Holy Spirit of God has changed me from the inside out and given me a passion for Jesus. 
That's something that the love of God works out within each of us who know Christ. And that happens over time. We grow to be more like Jesus. It means I live out my desire. The Holy Spirit gives me these new desires, and I act on those desires to mature and change and be like Jesus. This is the the working out, the affecting of the love of God on someone who follows Jesus, is that we will grow and we will mature. Now, being a Christian does not mean that we're perfect, obviously, right? It doesn't mean that we don't mess up, and it doesn't mean that we will ever arrive or that we no longer need to grow. Being a Christian does mean that we continue to grow. See, as a church, we want to grow. We need to grow. We want Jesus to be the center of all we do. And as as a family, as God's family, we want to experience and mature into the intimacy and identity and love of the Father. God has brought us into his family of sons and daughters, and the love of God compels us to want to figure out and, and grow into that identity as sons and daughters. That is something that God works out in us by the power of his spirit. That is the love of God affecting us. God gives us the desire. This is why Paul declares that it's no longer I who live, but Christ living in me. And as we mature and grow, like a child grows into an adult, we will never come to the end of the attributes and the love and the favor of our Father in this life. We'll never come to the end of it. Christian, God has saved you and has given you his Holy Spirit. And in that, he has given you the desire to grow. That that is in you as the Holy Spirit is in you. Whether you're a new Christian or a faithful senior senior saint, seasoned saint is what I was supposed to say, right? (laughs) Steering away from the word senior, which is somehow bad now. Whether you're a new Christian or you're a seasoned Christian, you, you might have known Jesus as long as I've been alive. It is good for us to remember, and maybe it's good for you to hear today, that God is not done with you yet. God is not done with you yet. He wants to grow you and mature you and invite you in again and again into your place in his family, into his love, into his approval, into his joy over you in Jesus. He wants to fill you with his spirit. He wants to allow his love and watch his love come out of you as you love others around you. There's more peace, more joy, more passion for you in Christ. God is not done with you yet. We are called to grow, to mature, to press in, to allow God to work in us and through us. And so this week, as I've been praying through this, I've been asking myself, asking the Lord, am I even maturing, God? What does maturity look like? It's a good question, and and I need to ask it every day. Am Am I maturing? Maturity if you're to take this, this chapter just kind of all in one little brief statement, maturity would mean that, that I'm making God's plan my goal, right? That I'm realigning the things I care about in my life to be aligned with God's plans. That means that spiritual growth requires some intentionality. I need to wake up in the morning and be intentional to pursue God. I need to wake up in the morning and be intentional to ask God to remind me of who I am before I get sucked in to the cares and concerns that that swirl around and blow around. We don't wander into spiritual maturity. Spiritual growth is intentional. Nobody drifts into Christ-like growth. 
Listen, when I let down my guard and become disconnected from regular time with Jesus, when I let down my guard and I become disconnected from regular time in prayer and regular time in the Word, I've never once have I ever drifted into maturity in that. Ever. That's never happened. I always only drift into immaturity. Every single time. And Paul's example of a child maturing into adulthood is an excellent spiritual metaphor for us today. None of my kids jumped out of toddlerhood into teenage responsibility. That didn't happen in one day, right? That's not how maturity works. Maturity is one day's experiences, right? The failures and successes covered with the grace of God on another day, on a week, on a month, and year after year. That's how our children grow. And that's how the Christian grows, day by day, keeping our eyes on Jesus, receiving the love of God. And over time, we continue to mature and grow. And so the goal, Paul is saying, is to grow and mature over time like a child. And here's what that looks like. He says, first, we're not to be tossed around by every teaching and every idea that sounds good to me. We're not to just jump on bandwagons. We're not to just, well, that sounds reasonable. I, I believe that. Right? This is because we've submitted to the teaching of God's Word. We have the Word of God in us. We have the Holy Spirit in us to help us understand the Word of God. We have, as Paul was just saying in the previous verses, we have the family of God around us. We have the teachers that have been given the gift of teaching to teach the Word of God to us. We have the people with prophetic gifts to, to give us God's insight, prophetic insight into things. We as a family, as the gifts of God, and the people of God are functioning and submitted to one another. We create an environment where we mature and where we grow. And there's a place for you in that family. There's a place for you in the gifts that God has given you in the family of God. We surround ourselves with the kingdom family. And Paul says, in, in verse 15, he says, instead, rather than being tossed around in a storm, he says, we will speak the truth in love. We will speak the truth in love. Notice he's, this is plural. This is something that we do together. He's, talking to, he's writing to a church, talking to the church. We speak the truth in love. That is a kingdom family distinctive. We mature together as a family, surrounding ourselves with family, walking out the same truth, the same faith in this new culture, which is defined by truth in love, truth coupled with love. That's what it looks like. It's what it sounds like. So maturity means that God's family grows together as we speak the truth in love. It affects what we say, right, the truth, and how we say it, love. And love might dictate when we say something. Love might dictate how, certainly how, but even if we say something. Speaking truth and speaking truth and love are vital for us to understand if we want to grow. And not just individual growth, but, but corporate growth. If we want to grow as a family of God, it's vital to speak the truth and love. Speaking truth here, what Paul is saying, it's, it's not an encouragement simply to not lie. Okay, of, of course we don't lie, okay? Speaking the truth is more than simply ensuring that we're always factually correct See, Paul is saying that we're to dwell upon and only share what is true. 
We know what is true, and we speak from a place of truth. It means we know and dwell upon, spend time in, and give a high value to what is most true, taking the full counsel of Scripture and allowing that to define what we say. The reality of the gospel of Jesus punctuating our language, the love and the hope and the salvation and the joy and the forgiveness of God driving our conversations. We find ourselves sharing the gospel more and more often as we commit ourselves to only speaking truth in love to others because the most loving thing we could say to someone is to point them to the love of God. Maturity means we not only know what is true, but we let that truth guide and instruct our lives, even to the point where it directs what we say and how we say it. To grow in Jesus is to submit to what is true. And you can tell what people are submitted to in their lives by listening to what they talk about. What someone talks about tells you a lot about what their heart is like. You really do get to know what's in someone's heart by listening to what comes out of their mouth. Now, that's not just an insight that I've had, right? That, Jesus says that in Luke chapter 6. He said, what you say flows from what's in your heart. What you say. Now, this is why I have to read the Bible. Like, pretty much I have to be in the Word of God every day because I need to put truth in my heart over and over again, and I need to keep it there. I need to remember what is true. There's simply no alternative to spending time alone with Jesus in His Word and in prayer. There's just no other way to know the truth. There's no other way to live out my convictions about what is true unless I'm investing my time in what is true. Because everything we hear in the world around us and every thought that we have that comes from within us must be sifted by the truth of God's Word in order for us to discern what is true. And this is a personal thing, but it's also a communal thing. This is a, a corporate thing. This is what we do as the kingdom family of God. And Paul is saying that our meditation and our memorization of Scripture, our, our marination in Scripture, right, just allowing it to just marinate us and define us and change the way we speak, as we allow the truth of God's Word in in that way, it will eventually spill out into the lives of others around us because that's what we're about. That's what we talk about. That's what we care about. Like you're telling me an interesting story about this sweet whatever, and I'm like, man, but do you know Jesus? Like, to what is God doing in your life? I, I love that you love to do that. How is God using that? What is God doing in the lives of those around you in life? See, we mature when we talk about Jesus with each other. I was in men's ministry a few years ago, and there was a, a, a small groups, and it used to frustrate me in some of the men's small groups, because guys would get together, and they would just want to talk about, like, sports or toys, right? That's all they want to talk about, sports or toys. And then, like, five minutes before group time is up, it's like, well, we better get to, like, you know, confessing sins to each other and praying for each other. And it's like, you know, the, the same sins every week for months and months on end, and it seemed like no one's growing. Now, that, that was like good conversation we were having. But over time, there just wasn't maturity happening. Because if that's all we do, we're not going to grow. We're not going to mature. That is not, that, that is not an environment for maturity. That's why I love listening to other people preach. I, I love going on and listening to sermons. 
Because I love the insight, the Holy Spirit insight that the Lord gives to a preacher when they're preaching a passage that's familiar to me. And the Lord gives this individual an anointing that opens up the Word of God in a new way. And I love that because I'm able to receive that Word again and I grow and I mature. I love that. It's also why I love preaching. Because I don't know if you know, but I have to study a lot to say this much. It takes a lot of work. It takes a, a lot of putting myself under the authority of Scripture. I, I do a lot of repenting, especially in this sermon. There's been a lot of heart work happening in here. I love to preach. The other reason I love to preach is because I'm able to speak truth, nothing but truth, for 35 minutes. And I've got 35 minutes of your attention, or most of some of your attention anyway. <laughs> the rest of you need a swift nudge to the ribs right now. But see, there are 112 waking hours every week. We have 112 hours that we're awake if you sleep for eight hours a night. And this is what, what God has been asking, like, what are you doing for the other 111 and a half hours? Who has my attention during those hours? I mean, it's awesome that we come in together. It really is. Think about it. As different as our lives are and our personalities are and the, where we've come from and our goals and things, and we're all in here submitting ourselves to the Word of God. That is beautiful. But who has my attention all those other hours every week? It's been convicting for me. It's one of the reasons I love meeting the seasoned saints, older people who are all about Jesus. Because, of course, they do this, you know, pictures of the grandkids, talk about their grandkids, but they do it differently. It's all about what Jesus is up to in that family. It's all about how the Holy Spirit is, is coming upon those that are, that are either doing the work of God or, or don't yet know God. It's like the seasoned saint has a perspective that is beautiful and edifying and encouraging. I can be looking at pictures of someone's grandkids, and I'm just like growing and maturing because that's a, that's a culture of maturity, Truth in love, seeing it walked out in someone who's all about Jesus. And so how do we start to get into a pattern of this truth-telling and truth-hearing and, and only speaking the truth? Well, that might mean that you get yourself into a community group. Surround yourself with other Christians. That might mean you're just pulling a more mature Christian aside and saying, hey, can I meet with you? Can I go to coffee with you? Can we just get together and just speak truth, right? Just encourage one another in the Lord? Maybe we commit to the Lord. God would put it on your heart to be like, man, I'm, I'm only going to speak truth today. That's tough. See, if you're a part of God's kingdom family, the word of God should be going into you and should be pouring out into the lives of those around you. When we're all about something, everybody knows we're all about it, right? Every, when I was in high school and we were, got all into dirt bike riding, it was like one by one as I would take my friends riding with me. One by one, they started wearing like Fox jerseys and stuff like that, right? Whatever you're into, people around you know. And as we mature, man, the truth is vital. What God's Word says about Jesus and what God's Word says about you and who you are in Jesus is absolutely vital. You can't get one step away from the gospel until you're out of truth. We have to be all about the gospel. The truth is vital for us, but listen, Paul doesn't just say the truth is what you need. He says the truth in love. Love is just as significant. Love is necessary for maturity 
And love is necessary for unity because love is what enables us to be pliable with one another. And love is simply our ability to sacrifice what is right for us or what is best for us in order to build someone else up. Simply put, love is serving others at our own expense. A simple definition of love is a vital component to understanding our passage today because Paul sets up a sharp contrast between these false speakers that are trying to control people and these Christians who speak the truth in love. And and he's saying that in self-sacrificing love, the truth should be delivered. We should be sacrificing of ourselves, serving and edifying and building others up as we bring them the truth. And so we always speak only the truth. That is what our message is. But the delivery must always and only be in love. And man, have I needed to hear that. Because I tend to neglect one for the other. And I, and I feel like I've, I've got a, 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 like a, some kind of an issue because I, I vacillate between only love or, or only truth. But both are required for growth and unity. And some people like to say, well, the fact that I'm willing to tell you the truth is an act of love, right? Most people don't have the guts to tell you the truth. But at least I'm able to love you enough to tell you the truth. And, and it might be true. Maybe, maybe there are a lot of people that are not willing to speak the truth to others. But just speaking the truth to someone is not loving them. Speaking the truth to someone, you know what that is? That's speaking the truth to them, okay? Paul, Paul makes these two completely different things. There's speaking the truth, and then there's love. Loving someone is totally different from speaking the truth. And Paul is very careful to separate truth and love. And you know why he's careful to do that? It's because he says both are required. And so don't mistake the truth for love. It might come from a heart of love, but if you're not delivering it in love, you're neglecting the love. And 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's, you get a taste of what this looks like from the Apostle Paul. He says in verse 1, if I could speak all the languages on earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, right? If you had a prophetic gift, if I understood all of God's secret plans and I possessed all knowledge, okay, that'd be pretty amazing. You know everything, in other words, right? You're like God's inside man. If you had all that knowledge and if you had such faith that you could move mountains, but listen, if I didn't love others, I would be kind of effective in ministry. I would be kind of a, a powerful voice. I would be, no, it says I'd be nothing if I gave everything that I have to the poor and even sacrifice my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Those are heavy words. Paul sets up just this crazy contrast in that language. Without love, these otherwise amazing gifts are, as Paul says, nothing. They're garbage. They're worthless. The gift of prophecy becomes worthless in the heart of a loveless person. These gifts apart from God, they might actually stunt people's growth. See, speaking truth to others without love can actually undermine maturity. And we all know people like this, right? I know people like this really well because this is who I am apart from the love and grace of God. Some of these people are even super wise, right? Wise people who speak the truth, but they don't do it in love. And these people wonder why other people don't listen to them. 
right? These people feel like they're ignored or dismissed. I'm always telling them the truth. I tell them every day. I remind them every day. I tell them every, you know, God showed me this thing and I told him, but did he listen to me? He didn't listen to me, right? See, the reason that loveless truth speakers are dismissed is because it is love that compels others to listen to us. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that it is actually Jesus' love that compels us. It's not the truth of the gospel that compels us. The truth of the gospel is what saves us and excites us, but it is the love of God that compels us. It's what grabs our attention and holds us close. So maybe you're like me. You know the truth, or you think you know the truth. But you need to give yourself to understanding what love is today. Well, the Apostle Paul puts a real fine point on that as we continue in 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 4, he says, love is patient and love is kind. See, right there, I just repented for an hour. Love is patient and kind. That's so hard, right? This isn't my love he's talking about. This is a love that has come from outside of me and has entered me and flows through me because that is not the kind of love that I have for people. That is the love of God that would compel us to serve others in patience and kindness. It says love is not jealous or boastful or proud. Love is not rude. That's hard. Love is not rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Man, love is required to foster an environment of spiritual maturity and spiritual growth in the church, in our homes, in your marriage, in our friendships. Love is required to foster an environment of growth. And if we lack love, we need to grow in love. Today, you need to hear that God's like, no, I've got that love for you, and I've got that love for your wife or for those people that don't listen to you. I have that love for you. Receive that love. If we lack love, maybe that's where we need to grow today because love is the fertilizer that allows truth to grow. Truth requires love in order to put down roots and grow branches and bear fruit. This is true in all of our relationships. Maturity doesn't simply tell others truthful and right things. Maturity loves others well. And we, so we tend to err on one side or the other. Some of us are more prone to speaking the truth regardless of delivery. Like everything that is true is so important and it carries such eternal significance that if we, we just simply don't have the time to bother with delivering the truth in love, right? And we're just like, bam, here's the truth. These people usually have a strong opinion, and they're very direct, and they aren't afraid to share it because they've been told probably in the past that they're really wise. And I'm just sharing wisdom with you, brother, right? Some of these people also, they're prone to calling out other sin because they've been told that they're discerning, right? Hey, I've discerned this in your life, and I've been told I have the gift of discernment. And you just listen, I'm going to call this out, and you just take it as love, okay? But see, without love, this person sounds like a self-righteous sin detective, Britt Merrick would call that person a sin sniffer, right? <laughs> Just sniffing it out. That's not their heart, of course. That's what they sound like. That's what they're received as. The truth is repelled because there's a lack of love. 
See, without love, this person's wisdom and this person's discernment is simply nothing more than a clanging symbol to the ears of people like me. I need wise people to speak into my life. But when wise people speak into my life without love, I'm like, eh, that can't be from the Lord because if it's from the Lord, then it's an act of worship to the Lord, which means that God is going to speak it out of me, which means it's going to be spoken in love because that's how God does things. That's how God speaks We're compelled by the love of God. Now, others of us are prone to the opposite, right? We love other people at all costs, regardless of what's true. Sometimes we're worried about what other people are going to think, or we just don't want to mess with the drama of confronting someone. If someone's offended us, we're like, man, I don't want to go there. You know, just kind of let it pass. But see, what happens when we don't bring any truth into the lives of other people around us, when God has shown us something and there's no truth there, we leave them in their sin, we leave them in their hopelessness, and we create the opportunity, and in my case, the probability that there will be bitterness harbored if I've been offended. And so if I'm all about loving other people but not bringing truth in, you have to hear today that that is not the love of God because the love of God compels you to be a truth speaker in love. Growth and maturity happen when truth and love are brought together in our lives, in our marriages, in our family, and in the church. Speaking the truth in love presents people with truth and cultivates fertile soil for the Holy Spirit to grow to allow that truth to take root and bring about change, maturity, growth. What we say and how we say it reveals our spiritual maturity. Truthful words spoken in love are evidence of our heart growing and maturing in Jesus. And so I go back to that question that I've been convicted of. Am I growing? Am I maturing? Listen, this is not a sermon about our need to speak better, of choosing better words You can't fake the right words. It's not about loving, but you just need to love people better. You can't fake that love. This is a sermon about receiving again today the truth about who you are in Christ and allowing that new identity to take root in your heart. You need the love of God to change your heart today and tomorrow and the next day. If I want to see my, the communication in my marriage improve, I need to receive the love of God as a son of God and allow that love to bring freedom and peace and joy into my wife. It's not a choosing the wrong words. It's a choosing the wrong affections. It's the choosing the wrong definition of love. It's, it's not speaking the wrong truth. There's, there's not two versions of the truth, Right? It's knowing what is true and allowing it to come out of us. See, we grow from receiving and enjoying the truth and love of God for us. And that happens in Jesus. We never take one step away from the gospel. It is all about Jesus. It's all about the love of God that has been given to us through the death and resurrection and the new life in Jesus. Our lives are all about Jesus. It is no longer we who live, church but Christ who lives in us. And so today, sit in the truth of God's love for you. Know his love for you. Allow the Holy Spirit to minister the love of the Father to you. Because the Lord is calling us to grow, to grow together as a family. We are called to grow into the likeness, into the image, into the character of Jesus, Paul says. 
And so church, let the Spirit fill our hearts with the truth of God's salvation. Let the Spirit flood our hearts with the love of the Father for us. Be filled up so that the winds of culture, the winds of bad doctrine, don't knock us off of course. He's put us together. He's given us gifts. He has given us leaders. He's given us prophetic things. He's given us his word, one another, a kingdom culture. Church, let's embrace and give ourselves to all that the Lord is doing, submitting ourselves, receiving, and sharing in the truth and love. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. And Again, God, we're just so blown away by your incredible love. God, you, you're worthy. You're worthy of, of our lives, of us following you. You're worthy of our response and worship. So this morning, God, we just ask you, Holy Spirit, to lead us again today into truth. Help us to not just embrace truth, but to allow that truth to change us, that we would respond. Thank you for loving us so well, Lord. So we respond today. We recognize that this change isn't something that we can do in and of ourselves. This is a change that you are calling us to submit to, a change that you are doing to us through your love. And so, God, we say, have your way in us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.